All right, welcome guys to another Untamed Podcast. I'm Josh, your host. I've got the publisher of Bear Hunting Magazine, content coordinator for Meat Eater, and a good friend of mine uh, that I've met the, three years ago, Clay Newcomb. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Josh. That's I'm good, man. Good, man. I, I just almost mustered up the courage to do my Josh Elderton impression. <laughs> hey, I, I, hey, let, I wasn't ready. I, okay. I, wasn't, I couldn't do it right off, but I'm going <laughs> to break it out at some point. Hey. And I've, got, I've got a pretty good one. Hey, we. I like all impersonations. <laughs> I sure do. Before we get, oh, thanks a ton. Thanks for ton for having me on, Josh. Oh, I'm excited, Clay. We've we've gone back and forth for two or three weeks, and I know you're busy as a one-legged man in a buck kicking contest. So, <laughs> and and I've been going every direction too. So I, I'm really glad to get on and and talk about the things. Our listeners, if you don't know Clay, Clay is uh, he's been with Bear Hunting Magazine. He was one of the first people in the outdoor industry to reach out to me or us at the Untamed. And uh, I've always listened and respected what you've had to say, Clay. I've always appreciated your word. And I just wanted to say thank you to start off. And now we're going to get into the gritty Man, of what Clay's been up to. I tell you what, Josh, when I, uh, I still vividly remember just the first time I saw some of you guys' stuff, and uh, I called it, man. I called it from the very beginning. Y'all had a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and I said, "Man, these guys are the real deal. These guys are going to do good." And uh, and I I can't remember if I reached out to Kirk or somebody and just said, "Hey," I just said, "I like what you're doing." And then uh, and I started watching your stuff, and uh, and then it was funny how we met Josh because. You know, it was it at was. the Archer Trade Association show. <laughs> and you guys had done such a good job of portraying yourselves as just personable, authentic people. I saw Josh Elderton sitting over there, and I, I just I, – I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I basically just was like, Josh, and just walked up, and me and you just been good friends ever since. Yeah. I mean, I mean we'd, you, you wouldn't have known – I mean, I guess we'd never talked at that point. But you had watched some of my stuff, yes. and then you knew that I'd been watching some of y'all's stuff, I guess, through Kirk. And um, no, what I always liked about you guys is just the, the authenticity that y'all portray. And uh, and I like that you guys were from the South and were doing stuff that normal people weren't doing, like normal humans weren't doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, like uh, stalking deer in ghillie suits and uh, chasing bears with dogs and... Uh, no, I, I, and, and, you know, and now, you know, look at you guys. I mean, y'all just broke a hundred thousand people on YouTube, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Over a hundred thousand subscribers, which is a, I mean, a great feat for us and a, and a, just a milestone that, that we're very proud of. I mean, um, that's a major deal, man. And you did, you, you, when you reached out, I think we only had a thousand subscribers. I remember the email you sent. I think we've still got it saved in our archives of yeah. our emails and, uh, you just sent an email of encouragement. Okay. That's okay. what it was. And, and saying, Hey, I like what you're doing, you know, keep it up. And it was like that first communication with somebody in the outdoor industry. Cause we never knew yeah. where it was going to go. Yeah. We knew that we wanted, well, we knew what we wanted to do. But listen, if you, 
I'm going to say this, and, and it may be hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point, but I believe it's true. If you had half a million dollars and you said, go start a YouTube channel, and two years from now you got to have 100,000 subscribers, I don't think you could do it. I mean, like, like, like point being, I mean, like, let's say the biggest media company in hunting right now said, we got half a million dollars, we're going to give it to X person in the outdoor industry that in in your job your only job is to in two years from now you got to have hundred thousand subscribers i think that person would most likely fail point being what you guys did was significant like you just can't start a youtube channel and just have real aspirations to do what y'all did um very realistically i mean that's just the truth, man. So y'all y'all did something special, and I and I know it's just the beginning of it. So. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, as long as we continue to um, do what what our goal is, and that's to get people and dogs together and get support for the hound hunting community, rabbit hunters, uh, and just support for all out outdoorsmen to bring. I mean, we you and I have had major conversations. Sometimes we've agreed and sometimes we've disagreed. Fair? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the end goal is, I think, why we respect each other so much is we are both for the outdoors. A hundred percent. No matter what. And that's yeah. what more people in the industry need to come to realize. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, you're... Exactly. One of my notes, and you you taught you've taught our group so much um, in some of our conversations. You you you've always said guard the gate, and we've never talked. We've talked about guard the gate, but where did guard the gate come from? Who who came up with it? Where did it come from? And what what does it mean to you, Clay? Hey, before I answer that, let me. Uh... Josh, usually this thing is telling me that it's recording. You may have to edit this out, but just before we got, you're for sure recording. Absolutely. Okay, got it. Yes, sir. See, on my, I, I'm used to Squadcast, and on Squadcast, okay. if you're recording, it shows the guest that it's being recorded. Oh, anyway, okay. I just didn't. I, I'm sorry for second guessing you. I just didn't want to talk to you for an hour and then oh I'd then go, i'd well, be like man kirk's gonna kill me for screwing this up yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're probably gonna leave us in there just for nah. <laughs> just for a little blooper yeah. man yeah blooper <laughs> play, trying to police the recording hey no, that's okay no, no i can just jump right back in yeah so guard the gate came from well let me just talk to you about my my kind of history and hound hunting that'll lead up to this idea of guard the gate is that I I grew up coon hunting, grew up with bird dogs, grew up uh, around running dogs. I mean, killed deer in front of dogs. I mean, hounds were just a big part of my life, working dogs, hunting dogs. When I got into Bear Hunting Magazine now almost eight years ago, I was completely unaware of the big game hound world. Like I just, it just, I mean, I knew guys hunting mountain lions with dogs, uh, the bear hunting with hound world would have not been, I wouldn't have been familiar at all with it just because we can't hunt big game or we can't. In Arkansas. Arkansas. And, uh, man, I, 
I immediately began to interact with all these houndsmen because of our magazine. We had connections with hounds. We were creating. We needed to create content for hound hunters. And man, I, I just quickly recognized the the quality of people, the skill and woodsmanship that a lot of these houndsmen had. How they dedicated their lives to their dogs. I mean, like I was just I was impressed with the people that I was meeting talking to i was intrigued by the history that some of these guys had with their lines of dogs i was intrigued by you know to be a coon hunter you know you can have a dog or two in your backyard and be a real successful coon hunter absolutely to be a successful bear hunter you got to have a yard full of dogs and to have a yard full of dogs mean that you got to be a special kind of person that's dedicating a lot of your life to dogs you also have to be a person that's connected to other hunters like you are not a solo hound hunter josh i mean like you're successful because of you're you guys have a community of people that you're hunting with that are breeding dogs that i mean i see it on your videos yeah like there's this awesome network and there's these groups of hunters that hunt together and they're like family you know and that because of the task because of what a difficult task it is to tree a bear with a hound you got to have a lot of people you got to have a lot of dogs and the dynamics and the cultural dynamics that creates is really unique you know i mean uh, and i recognize that i began to immediately value that i received josh i'd never told you this and i probably didn't i probably may have never even said it publicly but when i first got bear hunting magazine we were the, the the magazine was doing some hound content and I had a respected person in the outdoor industry uh, tell me, give me some like business advice, you know, just private. And this is a good man. Like I love the guy, but he told me, he said, Clay, the hound world is dying and you need to stay as far away from it as you can. That's what he told me from a print, from a, like a media standpoint. In a, from a rational perspective, what he said made sense to me. But deep down, I knew that he was absolutely wrong. I knew it. He was an old man, been in the outdoor industry his whole life. And he said, Clay, you need to run from the houndsman. Make your magazine about something else. And I knew he was dead wrong. You didn't relay that message to me three years ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, I hadn't. I, I really hadn't told many people about it. I mean, just so. So what? 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 What inside you? Well, decided to it, it, it let you just, drive past him saying that with you, with the respect was, you had for the it man. Was just, it was just instinct to just know that this was a positive thing, and it needed a voice, and and now eight years in that I believe that was the right choice that we made because it, our magazine is not all hound content at all. I no. mean, like it's probably, probably like 15% hound content. I mean, we just don't, our magazine tries to be really diverse, but man, the most loyal people that we have are houndsmen and people have gotten behind this idea of guard the gate. People that aren't even hound hunters, people that don't care a thing about killing a bear over a hound have have 
kind of seen our magazine as like a mission oriented thing. And people like to get behind the mission and, and, and mission being to preserve and protect our right and our ability to hunt with hounds because it's, it's just reasonable. It's normal. It's good. It's positive for everything involved. It's like, there's just so many positive attributes of it and it just makes sense. And it kind of was just an issue of like truth to me in a sense. I mean, it was just like, yeah, this needs to, I don't need to run from this. I need to engage with this. And, um, and so Josh, that kind of sets up like kind of my history coming into Barony magazine, becoming aware of the hound world, being advised not to dig into it, knowing that was wrong and then digging into it just through creating content and videos and podcasts with houndsmen and, and, uh, and again, that hounds is not all we do. I mean, really, it's not even that big of a part of what we do, but, um, but we, we put our whole heart behind it for sure in what we do with hounds. And, uh, so guard the gate, uh, a couple years ago, it was actually in a podcast. I was talking to somebody and I was saying that. I believed that bear hunting in general was the lowest rung on the ladder and the low hanging fruit for the anti hunting community and for just misunderstood, just for people, maybe not even people who are against us, but just people who don't understand us. Bear hunting was the easiest thing for them to say, yeah, that's bad. Like, just because bears are charismatic, megafauna, they're these bears that are these they're these animals that are uh you know anthropomorphism means giving assigning human attributes to an animal you know like right. the teddy bear poo winnie the poo i mean like the, we all know this stuff but like there's so many things about a bear that the average person who has no context to understand hunting would might have a difficult time understanding why we want to hunt bears and that's okay uh but the anti-hunting community knows that, and there are organizations that are very well-funded, very strategic. They can smell blood. They understand how to sway the masses and put out false information about us. And it's really pretty easy to take someone who really doesn't know much, and that's not their fault. They're not the bad people, uh, and sway them to believe that bear hunting would be bad. I mean, like, like you got to take a lot of steps in the direction of knowledge to understand why it would be good. Do you understand? Right. I mean, like, like most people wouldn't know that we eat bears. Most people wouldn't know that black bears are actually thriving in North America. I mean, thriving. Most people wouldn't understand, um, management of a, of a large predator that to remove some small percentage of animals is actually really beneficial to the whole. Like, like there's all these steps that someone who didn't know would have to take to get to a place where they're like, yeah, I can understand why they're killing those bears. It's real easy. It's like one step for them, the other direction to be like, yeah, that's bad. That's right. It's like, so, so to get them to come, to the side of understanding of, yeah, this is a positive thing. Takes so much. And 
the idea as well, Josh, inside of Guard the Gate, is that if bear hunting is the low-hanging fruit, the lowest rung on the ladder, then bear hunting actually becomes a critical piece in the whole of North American hunting that actually affects every rung of the ladder above it. Above. Because we, we've seen in history, and we have we have history that groups work by this idea of incrementalism, you know, death by a thousand cuts. And so it might seem insignificant to you if you're a white-tailed deer hunter in Missouri who doesn't care a thing about bear hunting with hounds. You don't care a thing about it. Like, it's not even on your radar. But if we lose hound hunting in a certain state, which we have, I mean, I could just name off state oh, after I could state. Oh, I could name a half a dozen right now. Right. So this is not like conspiracy theory. This is like actually happening. You lose that. There, we're, we're one rung closer to the thing that you're concerned, you, that you love. And I've had people criticize this argument, Josh, and say, ah, scare tactics. You're saying that, you know, you're trying to scare people into, you know, getting into your agenda. And I, I just don't think it's that. I, I think we can look back at history and we know that the anti-hunting groups and general sentiment of the country leans towards not understanding bear hunting. They do work with incrementalism. They try to take away things one piece at a time. And we wake up 20 years from now and we, you know, half the places that we used to could bear hunt with hounds or bear hunt at all. We can't anymore. That's happening, you know? And so, so my appeal to the North American hunter is, man, if you if you love North American hunting in general, if you're a deer hunter, a turkey hunter, a squirrel hunter, if you just love the incredible privilege that we have here as outdoorsmen to be able to interact and hunt wildlife and public lands and just, I mean, we it's an anomaly, the place that we live and the time we live in. If you love that, you should support all legal methods of hunting in a significant way you know like guard the gate means we're the gate we're the entry point for these these groups to enter into our space so we got to guard the gate and to me guarding the gate means becoming educated about bear hunting being able to intelligently talk about it and say that this is a management tool hunting with hounds is nothing more than a management tool it's a management tool in parts of the country where we need a certain number of animals taken out. We can take them out with hounds. We can be selective. I mean, that you know, I could talk for another hour about all that, Josh. Right. No, I mean, I was I was one of those people that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one of the antis or outside groups, but even being in West Virginia, Clay, um, our hound hunting laws, bear hunting laws, any outdoor you know, uh, Department of Natural Resource Laws, they're very conservative. You know, we, when we started filming, and these are the conversations Clay and I had that sometimes we agreed to disagree until, you know, I saw, I started, we started networking and our, our you know, my network started getting bigger and bigger and we started talking to people yeah. from Wisconsin, from Michigan, from Maine. I mean, these are organized states. And I was ignorant to the fact that in West Virginia, we don't have to deal with the outside influencers 
that these other states are dealing with. And yeah. we probably won't. We if if we do, we'll be one of the last states that has to deal with it. Yeah. Um so it was a I mean, I've been educated the last three years on this. And it's been eye opening. Um because for us putting out what we put out, we don't want to put a negative uh perspective out there for hound hunting. But in right. but like you said in the beginning, we still want to be authentic and real. So there's a fine line there, and you know anybody that's listening, I want they they should know by now if they're in other states because we've we've you've hooked us up with contacts in other states, um, and that that took a little time for me to overcome of what other these other guys go through, and I would yeah. be I'd just be I. Tell you, I'd just be pissed off, Clay, if I had to deal with what the guys in Wisconsin, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's taken six, seven, eight years to draw a bear tag up there. Um, yeah. You know? And that's what I – you know, that's what we want to do is is support everybody and just try to – influence like you said they're not antis it's just groups that don't know if you can convince right. a few of them yeah then you might level the playing field you know it's it's really it can be broken down fairly simply in that there's about well it's i guess it's not that simple but a simple analogy would be 10 percent of the people in the country understand hunting in a rural lifestyle and are like totally like pro on board with it. 10% are not at all on board with hunting and, and many things like that. I mean, there's 10% that are antis and then there's 80% that are undecided. It could go either way. And both of those 10% are telling their story. Right. You know, I mean, so the, the, the 10% that are antis are doing a great job of telling their side of our story, you know? And so what we've got to do is become much better at telling our story in a way that is understandable to the 80% that have no context, you know? Um, Have you been telling your story? I mean, before eight years ago, you got Bear Hunting Magazine? Right. Before that, Clay where were you at you mean like uh like professionally inside like the career wise world? yeah and i know you i know you grew up i mean you're an all-out woodsman is what i consider you i mean you're like me you're out there doing something all the time uh, yeah but before before you got the influence to to help out and put a positive spin on it where where were you well i was uh I had a landscape company from the time I got out of college to 2013 and I was doing a, but from kind of a, 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 a career outdoor perspective, I had a, a regional conservation group called the Arkansas Black Bear Association that we did for five years before that. Well, not quite five years, maybe just three years. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah, so I mean, that's what I don't know if that answers your question, Josh. Exactly. Oh no, it does. I was just trying to because I jumped in, Clay, to guard the gate because it's so important to me now. Um, yeah. And I and I bypassed. I was kind of going to backpedal a little bit. Okay. Okay. I was trying to understand if you were. I wanted to backpedal a little bit to to let our listeners know some background about you. There we go. How you, we go. how you grew up. Man, were you I went with your, full throttle you... on guard the gate, too. So. No, no, and I want to because it, it, it's so important to me, and Kirk as well, anymore. I mean, our group is like guard the gate anymore. And yeah. we don't – and I hate to say this, but we don't, we don't have to worry about it in West Virginia right now. If right. our legislatures would do anything – They'd be voted out the next time. It's it. They know that. They know yeah. that they cannot go against the people on hunting rights. Yeah. Traditions. They they just cannot change it. The 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 people won't stand for it. But we're you know you're only talking about 1.7 million people in the whole state. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a small pool. Um, well, so I'm glad uh, that you hammered it home. Well, in in you talking about it. I mean, we live in such a connected world now that 20 years ago didn't exist. I mean, yes. social media, through YouTube. So, like, it's really great to hear what you're saying about West Virginia. That's a great thing. Uh, and, and having, like, strongholds are, like, really important. But it doesn't, uh, you know, you guys doing what you're doing can be really positive for other groups, you know, in yes. other places. because. It's, it's kind of like we're all just so connected these days, you know, because of technology and communications and everything. So I completely agree. And that, and that, that, that and you, you know, as well as I do, that that's been a learning curve for us as a group where we're yeah. at, uh, because, you know, we were kind of full bore, you know, the, our, some of our stuff, uh, yeah. but you know, we we live and learn, and I think we've adjusted, and it, I think it's even better for us, like we've done, and um, it's good. I'm I'm glad you you drove it home, but <laughs> I mean that was one of the most important topics that I wanted to know about because I never you, we always said it and you always told it to us. Yeah, yeah. But you never did give me any history on it. But yeah, I skipped well, that, that I skipped your history. Up, it, that that <laughs> phrase came up in a podcast. It, yeah, it may have been the answer you were wanting. I just said it in the podcast. I said we got to guard the gate. Yeah, but and we and we just kind of it kind of stuck. Yeah, you know? but we we skipped your history, your background. Yeah. No, I, how you grew so, up? Did you hunt with your dad? Did he take you out young? Yeah. So my dad. So well, my my grandfather, um, Lewin Newcomb was a big time bird hunter, and and when he was younger, he was a big time squirrel hunter. Um, he he was a bird dog trainer, and my dad grew up bird hunting in the seventies, uh, kind of the revolution of whitetail bow hunting happened in the country, you know, with Fred bear and a lot of these guys and compound bows came out. And my dad was kind of an early adapter to modern bow hunting and the seventies started bow hunting in Arkansas and just became a diehard bow hunter. Quail kind of died out. Dad got rid of his bird dogs and, uh, he started, he started bow hunting and uh so i grew up with a dad that was a dedicated really good woodsman um just loved the outdoors love was a 
real successful bow hunter for our region, you know. And uh, but the I, I my dad is a massive influence in my life in so many ways. My dad is a storyteller. My dad was really conscious of like he he used to just take us take me around to meet different people in the community that were good hunters and he just always esteemed a really good hunter like i mean he just put him on a pedestal and he he didn't have any problem with somebody you know being better than him or more accomplished than him and he just he loved celebrating with people that did good and anyway i kind of I, he didn't know what he was doing, but I mean, kind of what I do on my podcast is what he kind of showed me when I was a kid. I mean, I like having guys on my, on our podcast that are authentic, are authentic and the real deal and, you know, celebrating other people's success. And, and, uh, he did that. And he, so from a hunting perspective, I grew up bow hunting whitetail deer. That was the main thing we did. Um, he he wouldn't even let us carry a rifle during deer season as he's like you're gonna be a bow hunter and uh that's what that taught me how to taught me how to bow hunt um when i was 13 in the that um late 70s early 80s yeah he he killed his first deer in 1977 so i wonder what it was like bow hunting in 1977 (laughs) Uh, I got here. Let me show you. Now I know your listeners can't see this photo, Josh. But look at this photo. So there's, I'm showing Josh a photo of my dad. It's yeah. a black and white picture. My dad's got a mustache, and he's got an old, old. Oh, you can't see it. Old compound bow, and uh, he had some old fatigues on. That was his first deer in 1977 with a bow. But uh, no. I, I got into hound hunting through my best friend, his parents, his family were, uh, coon hunters. And, uh, when I was 14, my best friend's father struck a deal with me and my best friend. And he said, Hey, if y'all want to buy this blue tick pup, you know, blue tick, a blue tick. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) He said, if y'all want to buy this blue tick pup, you can, you know, I'll, I'll help you. And we ended up getting two blue tick pups and we raised those pups and started coon hunting. And that, that was when I was 14. And then, uh, I got into coon hunting real hot and heavy until I was 20 when I went to college. Well, not 20, I guess I was 19. Uh, so from, you know, for like six years in high school, that was kind of my big thing. Aside from bow hunting whitetails, I coon hunted. Um, and, uh, I always loved to turkey hunt. I mean, just, you know, the kind of the classic Arkansas or Southern outdoorsman would have been a whitetail hunter, turkey hunter. And, uh, and then later in my life, a little bit later, y'all became a bear hunter. You know, I didn't kill a bear till I was 21. Um, we didn't have much of a bear season until then. And, uh, when I killed a bear, man, I was hooked on that too. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of my history, Josh. That that's that's a small small spectrum of, of your history in my opinion. The because did you hunt small game? Still? 
or did your dad just be like, "Hey, we're bow hunting deer"? He he devoted like his entire outdoor world to bow hunting whitetails, but I still, you know, when squirrel you, hunted some. We when when you were bow hunting in Arkansas, uh, what would that have been? Late eighties. Uh, you know, I killed my Early first 90s. deer with a bow in nineteen ninety four. Okay. Uh. What was it like then compared to now? You know, there weren't near as many deer. I mean, back in those days to kill a deer with a bow in Arkansas was a fairly big deal. I mean, there were grown men at our church that had never killed a deer with a bow and been trying for years. And big clay slayed one. And I killed a deer and it was (laughs) kind of a big deal. Heck yeah. And I mean, even more so with my dad in the 70s, like, kill a deer back then and to do it consistently was like pretty much unheard of like in these little communities you know i mean he was like one of two guys in the community that was killing deer with a bow on purpose you know um no so there weren't that many deer now i mean you know i hate to admit it but like my daughter killed a eight point buck with her bow in my pretty much on our land just right here close when she was 14 and it was i mean like we celebrated it but like half the people we know that have 14 year old kids that are bow hunting have killed deer with bows which is i mean like a very positive thing uh we've got a lot more deer i think as a whole we've become better better at killing deer i don't know if we're better hunters but we're better at killing deer and uh, equipment's better yeah, we're we're I I I don't really understand why, but it wasn't it wouldn't have been as big a deal for her to kill one as it was for me, and that's kind of I hate yeah. to say that. Did your have your children always hunted? Do they hunt now? Did you had? I mean, I picture growing up with Clay. Like I can have like a thought about growing up with you. But how did your, did you, is it just being in that environment or did you just let your kids kind of ask you about it? Did you talk to them? How did you so, recruit them to the outdoors to say? The, Josh, I've got four kids. That's right. Uh, the oldest one is about to be 19. So, but currently they're 18, 17, 15, and 13. Right, right now. Usually they're about two years apart. And man, I was early on, I didn't give them much of a choice. Um, like it was just my lifestyle, you know, I've got a picture right here. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to show it to you. Okay. Now the people at home can't see this. Josh, can you see this picture? I can, I can see it. Okay. It's a picture of my, my one year old son. (laughs) on my back and I'm holding a traditional bow and I'm standing over a deer. I'll tell you how that happened. It was a Saturday morning and I'd slipped out and killed a deer. Well, I got, I waited a couple hours. The shot was a little far back. And that afternoon, my wife had something going on and I was supposed to watch bear as my son bear. And so I took bear tracking a deer with me so i put him on my back and we went and found that deer and drug it out of the woods and that would be a good example of just like 
it's just what I did. And I, I did value being my, with my kids. I was a responsible dad, so I didn't shirk my responsibilities, but I didn't let my kids get in the way of me going hunting. And I just took them with me. You know, I just, I, so there was a period of their life when now I give them a little bit of a choice, you know, like they're old enough that. Well, they didn't, at that age, they didn't know. You were just indirectly getting them involved in the outdoors by yeah. taking them with you. Yeah. And it, and it, but I did that for their. I mean, I packed, I mean, my son was three years old when I packed him to his first treed bear. I had a, yeah. I had a diaper, I had, I had a diaper in my back pocket and the other back pocket, I had a there you package go. of wipes, you know, and. Yeah. I packed him in on my shoulders to his first tree. Yeah. And he didn't know what was going on, but to this day, the kid's still hooked on, yeah. her, on, on those dogs. Yeah. You know, but I, I, was, I, I took a different approach because I've never told, I mean, I take Brody, if, 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 like you said, if it was my turn to watch or if my wife had to do something, I didn't let me, having a son keep me from going in the woods. Yeah. I'd just jerk him up and we'd go in the woods. That jerked me up. Didn't sound good, but I'd just get him up and we'd go. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I never did force mm -hmm. him. And he, he killed a deer when he was six, and he didn't want to shoot guns after that. And it was nice. It was three or four years before he would hunt anymore. Now he ran dogs with me all the time. Any chance huh. he had had to go run dogs, he'd go run dogs. He's never killed a bear, Clay. Yeah. And, uh, but like the last year and a half, he's 12 now. It's just like something's grabbed hold of him, and I never forced the issue. But like, excuse me, he uh, he just wants to be out there now doing everything. I mean, he's running box traps out here on our property now and catching coons, and he's fooling with the dogs every day. I mean, it's he just loves it he's ate up with it yeah yeah and I, I i mean i just i love talking to people with kids to see what their approach was or if their kids are even even like the outdoors yeah uh and if they do what their approach was to get them to be out the outdoors because uh, that we get comments on facebook all the time that from this one old man i can't remember his name but he's always said you know if you teach your kids to hunt, you won't have to hunt your kids. Yeah. And I just, it, it always intrigues me to learn how people get their their kids in the outdoors and how they keep them there. You know, there's a, so the trend of the age, I think, inside of parenting is the, is a, the mistake of thinking that your job is to keep your kids entertained or that your job is to make your kids like you or that the whole point of your kid's existence is for them to be having fun. You know, that's kind of like the parenting trend of the age. It's just like, if there's anything going on that your kid is uncomfortable in, then it's negative. Um, I, I, must, that, I must not be on this trend, Clay. You must not. Yeah, it, that's not, in the, <laughs> not, it's not at the Hilderton house. <laughs> and. And, and it's it's infiltrated in some ways into hunting when I see people that are just like trying to make it so easy for kids to get in. And I have made it easy for my kids at times and, and maybe have even regretted it some. But I think it's it's a balance, Josh, or has been for me of putting the right amount of challenge and difficulty in it, but also making it fun. You know, it's not all just 
hardship and difficulty and we run them out. Like we've all seen kind of the old school way that probably me and you were brought up in some ways was just like my way or the highway. And that's the way kind of my dad was and he knows it and he'll say it. I mean, like just, you know, he was just like my way or the highway, you know, uh, if you don't want to come, don't worry about it. You know? And, and I wanted to come. And, and so I did, uh, it'd be the other mistake would just be to make it so easy that you're portraying to them something that's not even a real hunting experience, you know? So it's that balance. So you got to have fun, but you also got to make it a challenge. You got to make it hard. Got to be some sacrifice in it. You got to celebrate success, but you also have to calibrate failure with them. Um, there it's a balance every kid's different that's the main thing uh, you, you just have one kid right josh yeah, that's it okay that's well it. man if you had two they'd be different yeah like my son bear like just very driven hunter like really got good instincts i mean like the kid is gonna be a hunter big time uh you just turn him loose and he's he's gonna be successful uh some other kids aren't as driven as him but they still like to hunt. They still want to go. And I treat them different than I do bear. You know, with bear, I might kick him out of the truck and not be back for six hours. Right. You know, if it's cold and not worry about it. Well, I wouldn't do that with one of the other ones. I would probably be like, hey, I'll be back in two hours. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I you just kind of know their limits. You don't want to burn them out. Well, there's nothing you know, wrong I'm, with that. That's just, yeah. knowing, that's just knowing your kids. Yeah. I mean, you're not yeah. going to ruin it for them. Yeah. And you know what I've always told my kids and I, my oldest daughter, she does not hunt. She has no interest in hunting and that's totally fine. She's killed a turkey and deer and stuff, but now she's just, it's just not her thing. And that is totally okay with me. But what I've always told them and I told her is I said, you don't have to be a hunter. You, and you probably won't even be a hunter like me cause I'm pretty extreme. But what I do expect of you is that you respect where you came from and you respect the hunting lifestyle and the wild game that you were raised on and you just respect the way that you were brought up. And so my daughter will go out into the world in probably high places and represent hunters in a positive way. And that, you, that, you understand what I'm oh, saying? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and that's, what that's a need. force so, to be reckoned with. Yeah. And it, she's, she's, never, she's not going to hunt with me. But when she goes, she goes to school in Washington, D.C. And uh, she's not there now because of COVID. But she's sitting in classrooms with a bunch of people that have never probably met a human that has eaten deer meat. This oh, girl no was doubt. raised, this girl was raised on deer meat. And, uh, you know, and, and, and she's professional and intelligent. And, you know, she, she interacts with these people and, and when they, you know, her friends, as they've gotten to know her more, they've kind of learned about our family and they're just like, holy cow, <laughs> what? <laughs> and here, here's this, and, and, and my daughter can speak intelligently about hunting and how it's this positive thing. And all of a sudden, all these people around her are like, huh, okay. I thought all hunters were, you know, I mean, so that's, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, no, I mean, that. I think that that goes back to showing somebody that doesn't know anything or never been hunting. I don't know how many people I've taken uh, where we live now. 
because I grew up in southern West Virginia down in Logan, and I live about an hour and 20 minutes north of there now. Um, mm. But I still go back down there to hunt and hound hunt all over the place here. And I've taken friends from this area that are complete non-hunters, non-outdoorsmen, um, but they want to come and experience it. And those guys haven't, they hadn't had a clue what to expect. But at the end of the day or the weekend, there, you know, some of them are like, hey, can we go again? Um, there's a lot of them that I've had wild game cookouts. They've all came up and ate assortment of stuff. And, but none of them that we've taken have ever said, you all are idiots or this is ridiculous. You know, you all are yeah. redneck rogues, you know, that, and these guys are, are guys that, you know, grew up in an urban area, the urban setting, you know, can't tell what an oak tree from a pine tree. Yeah. And taking them and letting them experience that, none of them have ever had a negative comment to say once they went with us. Yeah. And those people in their groups, in their circles, the plan is, is if, if I can influence a few of those guys, Clay, and maybe they're in one of those circles where the people aren't very nice, and they and maybe in conversation, they'll stop that conversation and go, no, well, I don't believe that's the way it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that yep. that's a powerful force, just Absolutely. like your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you were talking about uh, her being affected by COVID not being in class. How did yeah. how did COVID affect the Newcombs this, in 2020 to now? You know, well, we, we got our daughter back. So our oldest daughter had gone off to college, and uh, which was a big deal for us, you know. And, uh, and she, she's home. She's still enrolled in the school she was at, but she's, uh, she's home and, and it's been really fun. It's come with its challenges too. Uh, you know, we kind of, she left and, and we, we, we kind of, I don't know, we, we changed her room and did all this, you know, there was some logistical issues, but, um, that's been really great. My wife, um, my wife runs a school. And it's been really major for her. I mean, running a private school um, through COVID has been a pretty significant thing. Um, none of us have gotten COVID that we know of. Nobody's been sick or anything in my f immediate family. Um, but, uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess we've just been, I mean, really, we've been affected minimally. Uh, both of our jobs remain stable. Um you know, Bear Hunting Magazine, it's kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of our income from Bear Hunting Magazine is Canadian bear outfitters. Right. And Canadian Border's been shut down for almost a year. Since uh, so, April, 1st of April, I think Canadian Border shut down. Yeah. So that would have affected last year's spring hunt? Yes, yeah. So, like, Fall all these hunt. outfitters... All these outfitters have lost a year of income, and so these people are buying advertising from us. And honestly, it's it's up in the air 
whether the border's going to open up this spring, you know, which it would be two years of income gone for these Canadian outfitters, which that really affects them. And we've, yeah, it's a bad deal for them. And, and these are our partners and friends. I mean, like all anybody that's advertising in Browning Magazine, I mean, you know, not to be cheesy, but I mean, they're our friends. I mean, we know them. You all are on a, you're not camp. on just like an advertising level. Yeah, you, you, don't, all, you, don't you just, all are on a friendship level. You don't just with, sign up on online to buy advertising for Browning Magazine. I mean, like, you know, it's it's much more personal than that. And so these are people that we know and built relationships with over the years and some of them we've hunted with and so anyway but that hurt us because we've lost a lot of income because these people don't have money to advertise but man as it's as it's happened our online stuff has done really well this year as has a lot of people's a lot of outdoor industry uh online sales have gone up i mean just like subscriptions to the magazine you know we sell hats and shirts and dvds and books and which has now become a bigger part of our business so we've really been relatively unaffected if i could say it that way and i I, i'm super grateful to be able to say that um we we're down some but not as much as some people i mean some people lost their businesses you know yeah i mean i don't think that um I would say very few people in the outdoor world got affected. If anything, they should have seen increases because there was more people in the woods the past yeah. the past ten months. Yeah. What the bow think? companies the bow companies They're all hitting record record sales. Record sales. Gun companies, yep. record sales. Yeah. Um I know that we uh we here had an uptick in license sales. Yeah, from out of non-resident too, because we never did. You know, several several states here in in the eastern part of the United States shut down license sales to out of state residents. All right, and we never did. Yeah. Uh. So, I mean, we have been fortunate. Our family has. My brother has had COVID. His whole family has. Uh, mm. But we have somehow been blessed to steer clear of it. Unless we've just not we've been asymptomatic, yeah, and just not had it. But it it has been a uh, it's wreaked havoc on the um, my other business interest the con- in the construction and the mining industry. Really? Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, everybody in the industry is down. Um, mm-hmm. One because of the coal market and the energy market, but two, COVID. COVID did not help a thing. Um, yeah. So we we. Struggling there, but everything else. I mean, we're not pushing flowers. That's the that's the greatest thing. Like, yeah, you know what yep. I mean. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I think that uh, we're not far from moving forward from COVID, and yeah. and hopefully we'll get back to some sort of normalcy. And yeah. and I saw where those guys in Canada. Um, I think you had made a post on your uh, Instagram or Facebook. Um about the outfitters up there yeah um and and getting some support behind them because i mean that i can't imagine losing all the revenue for two years because i'm sure that they yeah. don't have a lot of in-country hunters coming to pay them oh very few yeah i mean like because all those i mean canadians can go up and 
bait bears on their own in public land. Right, right. I mean, it's like it, a very small percentage of their of their clients are Canadians. So during COVID, Clay Newcomb, he's been the publisher of Bear Hunting Magazine, and you went through big changes career-wise. <laughs> yeah. In, in, I mean, you did. I mean, it, yeah. in, a, in a positive way, I think. But you're now a member of Meat Eater. Yeah. And, I mean, I I remember I, I listened to the the podcast where, where you and Steve were uh, on the combo. I guess it was a turkey bear hunt. Yeah. And then you and, um, is it Giannis? Giannis Patelis. Okay. Uh, you all did a podcast. Is that correct? Yeah. All three of you all? Steve and Giannis were on the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you all go hunting in the spring. And then next thing you know, and this was, book, uh, uh, it was like three or four weeks before. And this is how I know that Clay and I get along and we're pretty good buds. Because it's like three or, three or four weeks before the major announcement. And Clay says, hey, off the record, I'm going to meat eater. So how, how does that come about? Man, um, uh, yeah, this really has been a, an exciting year for me. It's kind of a weird year. Um I think it was, uh, I mean, this isn't like secret information. I mean, like, uh, March, like a week before the big massive COVID scare hit, uh, I don't know, early March, Steve Ranella called me who I wouldn't have known very well at the time. I had been on the Meteor podcast a year and a half ago. It was just a complete guest. I mean, I was shocked when mediator called me a year and a half ago and said hey would you like to come to bozeman and be on the mediator podcast and i was just like yeah and uh, went up there i met i'd met steve before but i don't even know if he would have remembered me but i knew him but i mean pretty much we were just strangers at that point um and i was on the podcast and had a good time with those guys and uh that was it i mean i didn't know i didn't get much you know, get much feeling of whether it went good or went bad and just, you know, just kind of had a podcast. Well, don't hear from Steve for a while. And, uh, and then in March of 2020, he calls me and, uh, he just said, Hey, you want to come work for meat eater? And, uh, I mean, essentially I'm serious. Like that's, simple. If you know, Steve, that's, if you know, Steve Ranella, you'll understand what a guy, what a guy. He just said, Hey, are you interested in coming to work for meat eater? And, uh, we talked for a few minutes and he kind of told me what he was thinking he wanted me to do. And I was like, man, I'd for sure be interested in talking about it. And then a week later, the COVID world collapsed, you know, COVID collapsed on the world and that actually shut it all down, Josh. So it probably would have happened a lot quicker. I think okay. Steve, when he called me, I mean, they were ready to, they were ready to start move. talking and pull the trigger. Then COVID hit. And then we, we did go bear hunting together last spring with Jan, me and Giannis and Steve and the whole media crew and had a great time with those guys and really got to know Steve and Giannis and kind of quizzed them a lot about what it would be like to work for Meteor. But Meteor was trying to figure out what COVID meant for them, so they really couldn't hire people at that time. And so anyway, so it, it took was, like... So was the hunt like a, a due diligence on both parts? Well... Or was it... 
already in the works and you all were just going to build, it was already to in build the works. that cohesiveness? It was already in the works. The, 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 the hunt was actually planned before okay. the, the job. And, um, and anyway, got, got to know those guys and just felt like it'd be a really good fit. And, and I had a lot of respect for Renella and, and meat eater and, and, and I mean, and do today, I mean, I've been just, I've been, I've been impressed with, with everything that I've seen and just really enjoy working there. But it was October the 5th is when I started working for meat eater, October the 5th. So it, it started in March though. And, and there was just so much up in the air with what was going on. It finally was finalized on October the 5th. So I, I do work full time for meat eater as a content contributor. Um, I also published bear hunting magazine. So I, I tell my wife all the time, I've got two full-time jobs. So, uh, you know, got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. I try um, to explain that to my wife just about every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I still, I still do what she wants though, Josh. Oh, yeah. So should you. So, so should you. That, that's the, uh, that's the, the give and take of our lifestyles, Clay. Yeah. That's you right. Know, if our passion for the outdoors when there's not a season in or if there is a season in it, you've got to give up some of your time too. Yeah. You know, that's the, yep. that's the compromise of marriage. Yep. In my opinion. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's a great year. You're with meat eater now. What's your, I mean, where's it gone since you've been with them? What's your plans? Do you have any plans? Yeah. So, uh, so this is public knowledge as well is that, uh, I'm starting a, a podcast with Meat Eater that will be distributed through the Meat Eater platforms. Um, we're, we're not saying exactly when it's going to come out, but we, but, but soon, Josh. So our soon. list, our listeners at the end time can't get any nitty gritty info. <laughs> this doesn't. <laughs> this doesn't go out to very many people, does it? Right? No. Okay. I'll, no, I'll just, I'll just right tell you now. guys. Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, very soon, very soon, you're gonna you're gonna see a a, po a new podcast launch from Meteor. So Meteor has a suite of podcasts. Uh, you know, they have the Meteor podcast, which is Steve Rodella's podcast. Okay. Uh, they have Mark Kenyon's Wired to Hunt podcast, Ben O'Brien's Hunting Collective podcast, um, Cutting the Distance with Remy Warren, and then Cal's Week in Review. So they currently have five and bent the, their fishing podcast. They actually have six podcasts on the Mediator platform. So I'm going to have, I guess, the seventh Mediator podcast. And um, it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be innovative and different. And uh, we're working really hard on it. And I think people are going to love it. I really do. Well, I'm super stoked for you. I mean, I think it's – I told you when you told me that that I thought it was – it was awesome. I mean, that's it. It's just my opinion, Clay. Knowing you the past three years, and then just in our talks, you've you've probably sacrificed a lot and worked pretty hard and hunted hard, and you you've got a reward, you know, and and you deserve it and uh, well deserved. And I, I think it's awesome. I I hope you're. I can't wait to see what the podcast is all about. We we did it. We did a couple at Bear Hunting Magazine. That podcast yeah. is no longer. That's right. Now, 
if you are subscribed to the Barony Magazine podcast, you know, okay. through iTunes or whatever, however you listen to podcasts, like if you get the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast on your phone, one day you're just going to wake up and it's going to say. It's going to say Clay Newcomb what? something. Yep, that's right. So, so like that feed, you know, that RSS feed that was the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast will remain our RSS feed for the new podcast. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to go searching for it or anything. So you could go, you know, subs, you know, subscribe to that podcast, but you'll hear it. You'll hear it through the meteor channels. You'll hear it. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to try to make a big splash in the outdoor industry with, uh, when it comes out, meteor's really good at doing that. And, um, so yeah, we're going to make a big splash, make sure everybody knows about it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Good. You have any other big plans this year? Um, no, I really don't. I have less plans than I've ever had, but I think it'll be busier than it's ever been. I've, I've held off because of kind of the newness of what's going on with meat eater. Um, in the past, I would have just planned out stuff that I wanted to do. And, and now I'm trying to kind of figure out what direction I'm going, uh, with meat eater. I've, I've been on a couple of shoots with, with Steve Rinella for his Netflix show meat eater. Right. You know, um, there's a, so, you know, I was just in Texas with them and, and they're coming, uh, they're coming to Arkansas for a me they they've said this publicly so this isn't a secret either they're coming uh they're coming down here to my house josh um uh, this winter to uh squirrel squirrel hunt on mules and coon hunt you, for is, is, uh, is episode gonna, of meat eater is steve gonna be allowed to ride is he is that off limits <laughs> he nope you're exactly right that is off limits he can't ride <laughs> yeah i'm gonna put him he, on is he uh, is clay one of clay's mules that's right. Nobody rides Izzy, man. That's right. Me. There you go. I'll put him on a good one, though. I'll put him on a good one. I got a couple of good ones. Man, that's awesome. The Clay and I have never shared camp before we talk about it. Um, we tried to this past fall. Yeah. And couldn't make it happen. Um, at some point, we will get hooked up out there. At some point. For we're, sure. We're... we're, we're I will be traveling north of you early next week. Oh, really? Yeah. Kirk. Y'all going? Y'all headed? Uh, well, Kirk and Chad. Mexico? Yeah, Kirk and Chad left. Well, they were they're in Arizona. Oh, okay. Um, they left Wednesday and got out there this morning. Hmm. And I'll be done. And then just drove around some public looking around. And then they sent a video. Uh, just about an hour or so ago that it started snowing. It's supposed to get about 35 inches of snow over the next 10 days. No way. Yeah. So I thought it was, it's not too early to go out. My wife had a little minor hip surgery last week and she's still down for the count. So uh, she has a follow-up doctor's appointment on Monday. So I'm going to wait and see what the doctor's report is. And then they will be out there hunting, which I don't think it's too early to go. I just think it's, with all this snow going to be pouring in, I think it's going to make conditions pretty tough. You know, it, you have to be on that hot, hot track before they get snowed in with that much falling. Yeah. So I'm probably going to leave and head out probably Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. And that'll put me out there 
Thursday afternoon, Thursday midday, something like that, and then hunt, yeah. for, the, hunt for the next 10 to 15 days. Wow. And see, That's cool, see man. If we can't, see if we can't do any good. That, uh, that, that'd be something that we'll swing by Arkansas and grab Clay and kidnap him one of these years. Man. Hey, you're talking my language, buddy. You know, because um, I, I, I would like to share camp with you and, and, and stories. I, I like telling stories, Clay. Uh, <laughs> you I, like to tell stories, Josh? <laughs> there, there's Clay and uh, his Josh voice. Clay, this is Josh Elderton. <laughs> <laughs> Them dogs was coming down. Oh, I, I can't. I, 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 sometimes it just comes on me, man. <laughs> I get excited, Clay. Everybody, yeah, baby. Yeah, everybody knows. I mean, when it when it's in the heat of the moment, I mean, it's. I do. I get excited. Uh, if I lose that though, I, I'm I'm hanging everything up. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? I know I'm going to slow down yeah. as I get older. I already feel it, but, um, you know. I I, I love having enthusiasm. Yep. Uh, for what we do. Yeah, man. But, dude. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I always enjoy talking with you, Clay. I mean, I wish you the best of luck with your new uh, adventures. I hope that uh, Bear Hunting Magazine still continues to thrive. And I will tell you, when Clay said that they are a personable company, they are. I got a uh, subscription and got online and filled out the subscription, paid for it, and Clay sent me a text that evening and said, hey, man, thanks for the support. <laughs> when the publisher knows when you get a new subscription, yeah. it's a pretty personable company. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. Uh well, Clay, we're going to get off here. I've got a few, just a few quick questions for you. Let some of the listeners get to know Clay Newcomb. What All is right. what is Clay's favorite game to hunt? Favorite game to hunt? Mm. Man, that's a tough one. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to bypass the old black bear. I love bear hunting, but I probably equally love whitetail hunting. Yeah. I mean, I, I've kind of, people have seen me bear hunt a lot, just that's a lot of the content that we've made, but I love whitetail hunting, man, just as much. Yeah. Probably not more, but as much. Yeah. Walker, plot, or English? <laughs> <laughs> I know the answer to this. Come on, come on. I this know, is, I know. This the... is like a softball, <laughs> man. No, I I love plot hounds, Josh. Um, I've got a. That's what I raise and have is plot hounds, and you know I didn't. I grew up hunting blue ticks, and I grew up around a lot of walkers. Uh, you know the the coonhound world is dominated by walkers. You yeah. Know? And uh, so I grew up around a lot of walkers, and, and just never. You know, if if the first dog I ever had had been a walker, if my best friend's dad had said, "Hey, we're gonna buy a walker pup." I'm sure I would be a walker man today, but, uh, we bought blue ticks and I liked blue ticks, but when I got into bear hunting magazine, the very first legendary bear hound article that I ever did was on a plot breeder. 
And uh, I met this man, heard his story, learned about plots. I was just intrigued by their story, their history. And I ended up getting a plot hound for coon hunting. And that dog today is, uh, she's six years old. And, uh, I mean, just turned out for me to be a really nice hound that we just have loved. And I kind of just fell in love with him. So well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm a plot man. I'm, I, I'm the only one in our group that runs plots. So, I mean, I have, I have. A whole, you guys are big Walker guys. Yeah. Walker crosses. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's for a whole nother. I mean, we could talk about crosses in another podcast yeah. play because, yeah. but I've got, I mean, I've got blue dogs, English, plots, walkers. I mean, I've got them all. I, I'm not racist at all when it comes to it, and I'm not favored. As long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, yep. they can ride in my truck. Uh, yep. As long as they're not ill handling and, and they, they do what I like for them to do, then, then they get to stay. So, yep. What's your favorite food, Clay? Favorite food? Man. That is a tough question. Man, I could eat bear chili every day of the week. I'm serious. I My family is burnt out on it because I make it so much. Is that much. your specialty? Yeah. Well, we, we, might, yeah. we might have to post that recipe. I make a pretty mean bear chili. All right. What's your favorite color? Blue. How does Clay order his pizza? Supreme with everything on it. Anchovies everything. and all. No anchovies. Okay. Everything okay. but anchovies. Okay. okay. <laughs> you got a dream vehicle? Nah, man. I if I were a millionaire, I'd probably drive the same. No hot no old hot rod or old truck or anything. No. You know, I, I like that kind of stuff. Like if when I see an old restored truck or if I see a big jacked up really nice truck like i kind of hat tip it like i like it but i i just i don't get i'm just not too you're content enamored enamored with uh real good vehicles i like a real functional vehicle yeah oh, i'm with you i'm with you uh besides the mules and your hounds what other pets you got squirrel dogs um so i've got because feists aren't hounds so this counts that's fish. right I know I'm uh, with you. No, yeah, I've got we've got mules and hounds, and then uh, I've got uh, I've got currently two feist squirrel dogs. Those are the only pets we have. We got chickens. Yeah, uh, we got we got chickens, and we've got cooney cooney pigs. Have you ever heard of cooney cooney pigs? I have not. It's a specialty breed of pig. Their meat tastes has a natural maple flavor. It's like no the kidding. Kobe beef of All pork. Right. right. It's like really good pork. Uh, those are mainly my wife. She, you know, she kind of takes care of them. But, uh, but uh, so we have cooney cooney pigs, chickens, mules, feists, plot hounds. Uh, you know, growing up, I'll tell you this: I had almost every mammal in Arkansas at one time in my possession as a pet. <laughs> and I'm being serious. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Coons, woodchucks, skunks. Uh, we raised lots of deer. Uh, we had, I mean, now that's been in my adult life. We we bottle, bottle fed and raised deer. Yeah. Uh, when it was legal, it's not legal anymore. It used to be legal to have hand caught 
deer that you raised uh, here in Arkansas, you could have up to six hand caught deer. Any anymore, you can't. But uh, no, we we used to have a lot of pets. I, I like snakes, Josh. I, I catch snakes. I mean, if me and you were out hunting and we saw a big copperhead or something, you know, I, even if nobody was looking, I'd want to go over there and mess with it and pick it up. You know, I kind of like messing with stuff like that. All right. Well, I would I would let you mess with it. I'd watch. Okay. You know what I mean. All right. Yep. What is what is your what is your bucket list hunt? I'd like to kill a big Yukon moose. That's I've been on one. I have I have moose hunted in Alaska. Uh, it was a brown bear moose combo hunt in 2017, and uh, the way the tagging system works is you buy a brown bear tag, and that tag is good for a brown bear, or a you can down tag to a moose. And so I had this one tag, real expensive tag. And uh, if I'd seen a moose before I saw a brown bear, I was going to kill a moose. So basically, whichever one I, we came across. So we were moose hunting in the morning, brown bear hunting in the evening, and ended up killing a brown bear. In no kidding. So, so I didn't, didn't kill a moose. Yeah, that's that's but, my bucket list, Clay. A brown bear? Yeah, on the yep. peninsula. Fall. Yep. Fall. Yep. Yeah, I want to. I want to hunt. I want to hunt in the fall rather than the spring. But yeah, that's that's my bucket list. It used to be a mountain lion. We put that. We put that behind us. Yeah, man, that's easy for you now. Oh, I don't know if it's easy. It's never easy. Never with dogs. I mean, they make it a lot easier. Cause yeah. They're, they're you know they're the workers. But yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Clay, where can everybody come check you out? Find you. You know, probably my main social media platform is Instagram now. Uh, I, you do quite a bit on on Instagram. Uh, you can check out Barony Magazine. All, everything we do for Barony Magazine, we just call it Barony Magazine. Barony Magazine Instagram, Barony Magazine Facebook, Barony Magazine um, YouTube channel, Bear Hunting. You know our website. Just type in Bear Hunting Magazine, you'd find us. And then on Meat Eater, which I would, uh, you know, go to Meat Eater meat eaters website themeateater.com and um man meat eater has an awesome website man massive i mean the amount of information on the meat eater website is pretty incredible and and i produce um at least three pieces of content per month which is videos it's not on youtube it's nowhere else but themeateater.com uh josh uh, since i've been there you know i made a how to skin a squirrel in a minute video. I did a video on shock pouching the shock a deer. The shock pouching a deer. I love it. Yeah, how to love it. how to make backpack straps out of deer legs and carry a deer out on your back. The difference uh, of the acorns. Yeah, that talking about uh identifying uh oak trees in the eastern deciduous forest. Uh one came out this week on how to skin a coon. Uh you know, it's kind of elementary stuff, so, some of it. Uh I've got a video coming out uh I think next week or the next week on rendering bear grease, bear fat. Yeah. Uh, full, full video of like given the full spectrum of, uh, how to harvest fat off of a bear, render it down into a usable oil. I've got some right over here. Incredible stuff. So anyway, the meteor.com is and people can find kind of my profile in there and look at content and stuff. I would not discount any of those things as elementary. I think that those yeah. are, those are all educational videos and growth videos for people that even have been in the outdoors. I, I've 
I've watched probably all of them except for the – I have not seen the one on Skin and Raccoon this week. But I've watched yeah. all the other ones on the yeah. – uh, and uh, just because – I mean, I know how to differentiate between acorns. But why couldn't I maybe learn something from you on how you do it? Hey, I'm glad you say it the right way. What's that? Acorns. Acorns? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they're acorns. No, don't, don't say yeah. it. Don't say yeah. it. If, no, if no, you had said acorns, <laughs> I would have lost. Hung all, up. You would have lost all credibility with me. <laughs> is that is that what would that be like? Uh, uh, mountain cred? <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like, <laughs> You don't have street cred. You got mountain cred. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mountain cred. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, uh, y'all go check Clay out. Uh, look for his new podcast with Meat Eater. I'm sure it's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Uh, everything that I've seen Clay involved in has been uh, a positive thing for the outdoor industry. Like always, Clay, I appreciate you. Always respect you, and I'm sure we'll catch up. Thanks so much, Josh. Appreciate it, man.